that you, you probably have a desire as I have a desire, and that's to be great. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I don't really want to be great. But let me just rephrase that then a little bit. You want your life to matter. I would think that's pretty safe to say as I look around the room. That we would say that we want our lives to count. We want our lives to make a difference. Maybe in the life of our child or our grandchildren or uh, just in life that somehow, some way that I walk this earth, I made life better. That somehow, some way God used me. Somehow, some way I was great. We have this yearning, this longing inside of us. And let me tell you something. This is really important. It's not a bad thing. It really isn't. I mean, if you have the desire just to be famous and get your 15 minutes of fame, I get that because that's just, you know, you're going for something that's more about the end result than actually the work that goes into it. So maybe not just to be famous, but when you want to be great... And when you want your life to matter, that's a good thing. You want to know why? Because God put it inside of you. There's not a person alive, whether they name the name of Christ or don't name the name of Christ, that wouldn't say, I want my life to count for something. I, I want to be great. And what I love about Jesus is he tells you, I'm going to tell you how to be great. It's one thing. It's simple. I'm just going to tell you, and you do this, and you'll be great. It's, it's so simple. Notice I didn't say it was easy, but it's simple. If you want to be great, it says, and I'll read this verse before we get into John chapter 13. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 42, So he called them together and said, that's just the disciples, he's calling them together. And so this is kind of huddle between Jesus and his disciples. We're in a summer of discipleship. We're talking about what it means to follow Jesus. So he called them together and he said, You know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first or the greatest among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man... Came, on, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says it's simple. It's one thing. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be the greatest? Be a slave. That's what Jesus says. And you say, that doesn't sound right. That's kind of mixed up, Jesus. That's counterintuitive. And Jesus, if you knew how the real world worked, you wouldn't say that. But Jesus says, no, that's how it works. You want to be great, you serve. And so Jesus exemplifies this for us. He doesn't just tell us to do it. He shows us in John chapter 13. And this is where I want to spend our time tonight. And so I'm going to read a, a big chunk of this chapter. And I'm going to begin at verse 3. And I want you to follow along with me in your Bibles or on the screen. If you've got your Bibles open, just maybe highlight some things that jump out at you. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him all authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. God, Jesus has all power. He has all authority. He knows that. So what does he do? Does he start commanding them to do something? No. He got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. 
When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, wash all of me, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That, that is that what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and, and sat down and said, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and, and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, or you ought, to wash each other's feet. Verse 15 is something I'd like you to highlight, underline in your Bible. Just put a, a mark there and says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor are the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus exemplifies it here and gives us three lessons. The first lesson is the lesson of humility. That's easy to see right here. Jesus has all power, all authority. His time has come. It says that in verse 1. We didn't read verse 1. It says, my time has come. About four or five times through the Gospel of John, he says, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But now he comes to the cross, his farewell message here, and he says, now my time has come. And we read that when his time came, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's the heart of Jesus. He has everything, all power, all authority. Yet Jesus gives himself in service to his disciples. Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? They're probably shocked. Jesus begins to undo his robe and takes off his robe and puts her on probably what would be like an apron today and puts it around his waist and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and they must have been shocked. Here's the guy with all power, all authority. He could have commanded them to wash his feet and yet he's the one that takes the root of the lowest of the low and he washes their feet. And this shocks the disciples because there is a competitive spirit among these guys. They always want to know who's number one, Jesus, who's number one? Where are we at here, Jesus? And they are always arguing about who's the greatest, who's the greatest. And in this unforgettable object lesson, Jesus comes in and says, no, you want to know what true greatness is? It's shown through humility. It's shown through giving yourself to others. And this is your example. You're going to be my body. You're going to take me, Jesus, to this world. And so here is the example to follow. So whether it be Paul in Philippians chapter 2 or Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, they talk about being clothed in humility. That his followers would be clothed in this humility wherever they go in the world and proclaiming the kingdom that they would walk in humility. And it's very easy for us to sit here and say, Daryl, that is not how it works. 
That might work in church, and that might work with your job and in your family, but it doesn't work in mine. That if you knew what my school was like, or my job was like, or my home was like, or if you knew my life, this wouldn't work. And listen, it's not me telling you, it's Jesus telling you. That if you want to follow me, you're going to have to humble yourself. Because Jesus told his disciples, you know what the world's like. You want to be large, you want to be in charge, you want to be the greatest, and you start lowering it over people, and Jesus says, not in my kingdom. Not if you belong to me. You want to be great, you serve. If you want to be the greatest, you become a slave. Because why? God says in the Old and New Testament, God opposes the proud and favors the humble. That's it. Do you want to be on God's good side or his bad side? Do you want to be an enemy of God or a friend of God? Jesus, the sovereign king of the universe, took a place of a servant and he had all power and all authority and all the strength and all the might and he served in love. You want to be humble? Get close to Jesus. Be like him. I believe it's almost impossible to be humble without a, a, a real relationship with Jesus, without a real connection with him, without being close to him, because we want to be like him. We're called to be like him. That's, that's, our, that's what we're predestined to be, to become and conformed into the image of Christ. And the more I'm like him, the more my humility will grow. The more I find myself in worship and in prayer and, and in the word, the more the humility that I need will grow in my life. Get close to Jesus. Be his friend. Draw near to him. And learn the lesson of humility. The next lesson is the lesson of holiness, if you're taking notes. The lesson of holiness. Peter shouts out. He's pretty uh, <laughs> impulsive, to say the least, and not too bright. And he says, no, Lord, never, never, ever. It says in the Greek, he's like saying, never, ever, 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 ever. Like Taylor Swift. Is that who sings that song? Never, ever, ever. So, never, ever, Jesus. No, it's not going to happen. Don't ever do this, Jesus. And, and Peter can't, he's like, this is blowing his mind. But Jesus says, I, I want to be clear with you, Peter, that if you want to be with me, you're going to let me do this. And if, I, if you don't let me do this, then you're not going to have any part of me. And so then Peter's like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 okay. I'll tell you what, Jesus, now do, wash me all over. Just, just give me a bath, Jesus. Just do it all over because I, I want to be with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, just the feet, Peter. You ever wonder why Jesus said, no, I'm not going to wash all over you, just your feet. You, why would he do that? The reason is, is Peter was already clean. He was already chosen by Jesus. He's already Jesus' friend. See, when, when we have a personal relationship with Jesus, he washes us clean from our sin, from the guilt, from the shame. But there's things that happen in our life and in the world when we're walking through life that might get our hands dirty, might get our feet dirty, and we're called on to, to confess our sin to God, to stay holy when we live for him, when we follow him. And I, I think of the Old Testament and the priest would come to be consecrated and they would bathe the priest when he first went into that calling and he would be bathed and then the oil would flow and it was a one-time thing. 
this bathing, this process, this consecration was a one-time thing, but every day he went to minister in the house of the Lord, he had to come by the laver and he had to wash his hands and his feet before he could go into the presence of the Lord. See, he was already consecrated, he was already clean, but when you're walking through the world, there are things in this world and, we, and we've got to stay clean. And, and Jesus is saying, I, I want you to be, as it says in James 1.27, I want you to be unspotted by the world. I want you to be clean and I will make you clean. And so that's what happens here in our life. We're called to be holy when we follow him. We're called to confess our sin and not be spotted or tainted by this world, but to, to come to him and confess our sin and, and he will forgive your sin. And, and I think about Peter, going back to Peter for a moment, why is this so hard for Peter to accept? I mean, why can't he accept Jesus washing his feet? I mean, if Jesus wants to do it, what's the big deal? And, and I think it's this. Because Peter knows that if Jesus does this for him, that he's going to have to do it for his brother and his friends. And Peter may not be ready to do that just yet. That if my master is doing this for me, then I'm going to be called on to do this for others. And that's going to be hard. See, when Jesus forgives us, he calls us to forgive. When he loves us, he calls us to love others. When he blesses us, we're called to bless others. It's just how it works. And, and I don't think Peter was ready yet, but he realized that, boy, if Jesus did it, I've got to do it too. I've got to follow him too. And that leads us to the third lesson here, and that's the lesson of happiness. The lesson of happiness. It says in John 13, 17, since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. If you know these things, you'll be happy. If you do these things, you'll be happy. Chicago radio station recently did a, a poll, a man on the street interview. They took the microphone outside the studio, and they asked everybody, what, what do you want out of life? And every single person answered in some way or another. Maybe it was regarding their job or their family or their life. But everybody answered, I want to be happy. Or I want my kids to be happy. Or I want my, my family. I, just, I, I, want, I want happiness. That's the number one desire of people out there. And I know it's your desire as well to be happy. And that's a good desire. God put that desire in you. All these desires are good. But the sequence is super important because a lot of people are just living for happiness. But Jesus shows us here, it starts with humility. When you walk in humility and serve others and stay holy, at the end, then you'll experience happiness. See, happiness is a byproduct of following Jesus. Doing things His way, living His way, His will. So if you're going to pursue happiness by itself, you're going to be sh chasing a shadow and, and it's just going to be a mirage, and you're never going to get to it. If all you want is that end result of happiness, it's not going to be there. <clears throat> just like if you want that end result of greatness, but you're not going to serve. See, happiness comes, true happiness comes, when we are humble, when we serve, when we are holy, and we follow that sequence. We find that joy in giving to others, helping others. And just let me tell you something as a pastor, and this has been the... Probably the coolest thing in my life over the past 20 years is that, you know, I think of whether it be on the mission field or right here in Mount Prospect or just different things, Ascension Convention and all of you guys and stuff like that, there's nothing like teaming up with God to do something. 
there's nothing more exciting. There's no greater high. There's no greater joy. There's nothing better than saying, I'm teaming up with you, God. That's where our happiness is. Jesus is our master, and we follow him. He had every right to tell those disciples to get on their knees and wash his feet. And yet, he's the one that bows before them and serves them and washes their feet. And now he says, I've set an example, now you go do it. So, this is really important with all these messages throughout the summer, what it means to follow Jesus. Is, is you can't sit here and say, yeah, that's true, I get that. I get the, the humility and the holiness and the happiness. I get it, I, I get it. you got to do it. You can't just sit in church and say, yeah, I get it. No, now you've got to do it. That's why we call this series Activate. You have to do these things. You have to be active in these eight things. And today it's about serving. You've got to be active in it. And so let me give you five ways to serve others. Five ways you can serve others. I'm just going to go through these quickly, and, and I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. How are you going to serve others? Number one, you can share your time. You can share your time. The time is something precious that God gives all of us. It's something very valuable. And there's nothing greater than taking some of your time to bless someone else. So you can give your time. That's something that you can do. It's something simple that you can volunteer, that you can give. You can give your time. You can give your time not just in a ministry, but to another person and bless them. But that's the first one. Number two, you can share your talent. You can share your talent. You have a gift that God has placed inside of you. You have something that only you can do. That's the greatness inside of you that God's placed there. And you can go online if you don't know what spiritual gifts are. Right on the homepage, christianlifechurch.org, right on the homepage, there's a place that says spiritual gifts test. And you can just click on that, take it for free, and it'll give you a printout of your spiritual gift according to the New Testament. And then you can find opportunities then to get involved because God has greatness inside of you. God's placed his giftings inside of you, and you need to look for opportunities to share that gift. Number three, invest your treasure. Invest your treasure. I think Mike put it really eloquently at offering time. We invest in so many temporary things. But God says, I want you to invest in my work. I want you to invest in my kingdom. I want you to live with that open hand of giving. Be a blessing to someone else, not just yourself. And so you can, you can invest your treasure. Number four, you can encourage with your talk. You can encourage with your talk. You can give that encouraging word. I believe in speaking life, in speaking hope, in speaking peace into people's lives who need it. That is a gift. And we are called to do that. There is probably nothing more powerful that you can do than to speak life into someone else. And that's what God wants us to do. That's a, that's a great way to serve others. Number five, you can proclaim your testimony. You can proclaim your testimony. You can tell what God has done in your life. Do you know when you tell your testimony, when you tell what God's done for you, that is something that, that just builds faith in other people? It might bring somebody even to faith. Sharing your testimony of what God is doing, sharing the good news, inviting someone to church, 
somehow, someway sharing and proclaiming that testimony. You've got to be active in these things. Serving God. After service, in a few minutes, you're going to walk out and see tables all over the place. And, and, and there, are, there are small groups you can join. There are ministries you can serve in. There are, there are so many things this fall that you can be a part of. And, and I don't want you to leave without allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? And signing up out there and, and being a part of that. Because I've got to be honest with you, I mean, if, if coming to church is just sitting in a pew... I'm sorry. That's not what church is. That's not what following Jesus is. That's, that's a, that is a bad church experience, is if all you do is come and sit. God has called you to come and serve. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it, it's a verse about not giving up meeting together, but I, I love what the context is here in verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That we would get together and we would spur one another on to, to love and good deeds, just as hopefully this message is spurring you on to serve, that you, would, that you would encourage, you would spur on others to love and good deeds. That is our calling. The Sunday was January 26th, 1986. If you're a Bears fan, you know that date. Super Bowl 20. The Chicago Bears beat the New England Patriots 46 to 10 in just a shellacking. Our church back then, almost 30 years ago, had a Sunday night service. And we were so spiritual we would not cancel Sunday night service. I think you know, if you've been here any length of time, that I love the Chicago Bears. Here's Jesus and then the Bears right here. So, so I went to church. I was obedient. I went to church. But I knew that where, where our kids still are, that in our nursery there was a TV. And if I hooked up some rabbit ears to that TV, I could watch the Super Bowl if I volunteered for the nursery that night. So I got the rabbit ears out. Got the, it was a little snowy, but I could see the game. And, uh, and, and I volunteered in the nursery Sunday, January 26th, 1986. That day is not only the day the Bears won the Super Bowl. That's the day that our church holds the record for most volunteers in a nursery ever. <laughs> I think every man in the church was down there, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. I remember a lot of, a lot of old gray-haired men uh, in the nursery that night, and, and, uh, but there were still kids there. And um, so obviously we had to take care of the kids, so I'm taking care of the kids and watching the game. You know what? I, I had fun taking care of the kids. It's a young teenager, and, and you know, yeah, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was good. And you know what I did? I ended up volunteering to work in the nursery. Got on the schedule and started working in the nursery. I, I've, I've helped out in the, the sound booth and, and, and ran sound for the church. I, I'd come, uh, my dad said, hey, no, we need to, we need to clean up the church because uh, uh, maybe the janitor's on vacation or something. Can you come and clean the church? Yeah, Dad, I'll come clean the church. And, and, and over the years, just as a young teenager, I just, 
I have to be honest with you, I really enjoyed serving. And to be honest with you, I really never thought anything of it. Because never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I'd be a pastor. To be honest with you, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't care about it. I didn't, it's not that I didn't care about it. It's just like, I, it's, that's for my dad. That's for other people. I'll just do something else. I, I like working. I like serving. I'll just do that. I'll, I'll find something and, and make money and serve God. And Never thought about being a pastor. But the more I served in church, the more the call came on my life. And, and, and I just can't tell you. You know, I walked, my, my son goes to the same high school I graduated from, and I, 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 I walk down those halls sometimes when I'm picking him up or, or just, you know, going to a game or something like that. And I walk down the halls, <laughs> looks almost the same as when I went. And I, and I think to myself, would, as a 15, 16-year-old kid, would I have ever imagined the life I have today? There's no way. I mean, my life is so far greater than I could have ever imagined. And I believe it's because it started back then serving. No idea where it was going. No idea. Just, I'm going to just, I'm going to serve God. And I'm going to do that. And I want to tell you, there's, there is nothing like teaming up with God. And you say, well, sure, Daryl, you're a pastor. It's, I, I get it, but man... Do you realize where God has placed you and who's inside of your life? People that I'll never meet, I'll never preach to them, I'll never talk to them. But yet God has you right there for them. And let me tell you, anything you do for God, any service whatsoever, to the greatest, to the least of these, it's never in vain. And in fact, there is nothing more important than you can do than to serve someone in the name of Jesus. There's nothing more important that you can do in your life than to serve somebody in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I want to say this. You do matter. You are destined for greatness. You are called to serve. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? We're going to sing in just a moment before we do. It's time for me to stop talking and time for the Holy Spirit to start speaking to your heart in a quiet moment. If you took notes tonight, and to go back over them. And if you didn't, just to, to recall for your memory, maybe they can even put it on the screen, the five ways we can serve others. I believe that God is calling each of us to serve. That that is what we are destined for. That is what if following Jesus is really all about. And so whether you're going to give your time or share your talent or invest your treasure or encourage somebody with your talk or proclaim your testimony, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now of where He's going to begin to lead you. Where you're going to walk humbly. Where you're going to walk holy. 
and where you will find the happiness that we all long for. Holy Spirit, just speak to us now. Just speak to us now. Every heart, every life, we're all called to serve. Just speak. Take my life and let it be consecrated, oh, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless person next to you, I want you to say, if you're willing to do that, I'm just going to ask you to stand your feet right now before heaven. I'm willing. I'll serve. It's up to you. Now let's sing this song. Let's sing this song from our heart. I'm going to follow you.
offer ourselves to God tonight. And, uh, as we begin to come to a conclusion, I, I just need to say that all of this begins with a personal relationship with Jesus. It, it comes with connecting with God through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says that you, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And I want to tell you that God loves you so much. He, he placed desires in, in your heart and in your life, but they, you'll never fulfill them outside of Him. And I'm just going to ask tonight, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And I want you just to, to, to not only believe in your heart, but confess with your mouth this Jesus who loved you to put the desire in your heart to do great things that it's really to do great things for Him. And He loves you so much. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray with me tonight. Repeat this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you tonight. God, I just thank you for those that have entered your kingdom. Lord, there, there may be some for the very first time that are, that's accepting your love and grace and your forgiveness, and we thank you for that. Lord, tonight, maybe the prodigal came home. Maybe somebody that was far from you returned home tonight. We thank you for that, God. Lord, but for all of us here, we never want to stop following. We never want to forget that prayer that we prayed. We never want to just coast and show up and get what we need and then go home. God, we want to follow you. And so, Lord, tonight we learned the lesson of humility, the lesson of holiness, the lesson of happiness. God, may we just embrace that word and may that word find good ground in our heart and grow. And um, God, that we would live our lives to serve others. And God, I pray that as each of us do that, God, that you would bless them far beyond what they could ever dream. As we love and serve you, God, I thank you that you, you shower us with your favor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.